Hi, this is Fred Lipsius, one of the original members from Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and you're listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream, and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is saxophone queen, Ada Rovati. Ada's originally from Italy. Now she lives in the United States. She's performed in numerous jazz festivals around the world. She's played with a host of major artists, including Aretha, Joe Bonamassa, Mike Stern, and Herbie Hancock. And she's played on two Grammy-winning albums by her husband, Randy Brecker, the incredible trumpet player who I just interviewed for this podcast. And she's toured with the Brecker Brothers Reunion Band, and she has a new album out now called Hidden World of Pilu. We'll try and discuss all of this. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, Ada and I are going to do what I call a song fest. We're going to play a handful of her best works, and you'll hear a little bit of them, and we'll talk about them, and you'll get the backstories. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know that I feature a song of mine in every episode, underneath the introduction and at the end. And I always try to make it relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, I have chosen the song Miles Behind from my debut 1994 album of the same name. Why did I choose this? Well, this track features Randy Brecker a long time ago, and he was spectacular on this track. So I thought that it worked. So, Ada Rovati, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thank you. How are you? Fantastic. Okay. So, you know, I want to hear a little bit about growing up in Italy and you're playing jazz. Is jazz big in Italy? It is, uh, but uh, unfortunately, musical education is not that big. So I was just lucky that my grandmother was a piano teacher. So I started when I was four playing piano. And uh, we don't have a music education at, really at school. We have like a recorder a little in uh, elementary school, middle school. We have a history of music and high school, no music. So it's really hard. No music, no music in high school. No music at all. Why is that? You know, everybody thinking the the Italy, the country of the bel canto, the beautiful music, classical, you would have music everywhere. Instead, it's quite opposite. Unless you have somebody in your family that is involved and try to maybe, you know, enroll you in some after school program, uh, it's really hard to get, you know, into music. Especially, I mean, you know, usually the, the classical instruments are like a violin and piano and maybe clarinet. But, um, you know, it was not even easy to find a saxophone when I decided to play saxophone. And it was later on, uh, you know, it was uh, in high school. Well, tell me this. You're four years old. You're taking piano lessons. Mm-hmm. Did you want to take those lessons or was this because of your family? 
<laughs> no, I, well, my, my grandmother starts with my brother and my brother didn't seem very much excited about it, but I will always kind of sneak behind and see what he was doing. So one day I just sat on the piano and I, I guess I played correctly what my brother is supposed to play. So my mom, <laughs> my grandmother said, was like, okay, let's switch over. Let's go with, <laughs> with her. <laughs> and that's how he started. Oh, good for you. But, you know, clearly that age is, uh, you know, I liked to listen to uh, cartoon and uh, TV show music, and then I'll try to put it on a piano. And I, I didn't know back then I was doing a, a good ear training, uh, ear training, uh, you know, training. <laughs> yes, and that I helped am. me so much uh, later on. I didn't know it, but, you know, I uh, I was really practicing. <laughs> well, listen, I understand exactly what you're saying. My parents started me on piano at like age five. And I hated it. I didn't want to practice. Okay. Yeah. Good for you that you actually liked it and you, you switched with your brother. I like that story. Yeah. I liked that to play modern music, not really classical though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Like you said, it's ear training. I remember my father was a trumpet player. He was more or less an amateur trumpet player, but he had a friend of his that was the guitarist in his band. And I remember him saying to me when I was about seven, I was trying to learn the guitar maybe actually a little older than that. And he said, just listen, you'll hear the changes. And I didn't know what he was talking about at the time. But you know what? That's exactly right. You develop your ear, don't you? Yes. You know, especially when you teach it to people and they ask me how you improvise, how you hear stuff. And it's just like, it's hard to explain the little me mechanism that, you know, your brain recognize some tonal movement or some changes you know, and then explain what are those changes. For people that are not into music, it sounds like magic, kind of. <laughs> it is magic. I like it. It is magic. <laughs> okay, so you got into saxophone eventually. How did that happen? Well, my brother plays some guitar. At this point, he switched to guitar and uh, plays some R&B. And he, he put a band together and he really wanted to have, uh, I guess, a horn section. So it kind of triggered my, my interest into playing I guess you know in saxophone player you know he told me he's like if you want to be popular at school with boys you should play saxophone and I was like I am <laughs> I can do that <laughs> I can need a little help so really it was because of your brother that you played piano and it was because of your brother that you played saxophone I know maybe I should send him a gift right <laughs> exactly all right that's great. So at some point you came over to the United States what was your reason for that was it the study here Yes, I won a scholarship uh, at the Umbria Jazz, that is a well-known uh, jazz uh, festival in Italy. And uh, Berklee College of Music uh, used to have and still has, a, as today, a summer camp, a couple of weeks of uh, summer camp there. And I won a scholarship there for Berklee College of Music. And that's how I started all my my adventure in, uh, in, in the United States. For anybody that doesn't know, I mean, we've mentioned Berklee College of Music a dozen or more times on this podcast because so many of the great musicians that I've had on the podcast, one time or another, have gone to school there or taught there. It's the premier school for music in this country, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. You know, especially in Italy, you know, we worship, uh, you know, anybody who studied at, at Berkeley and you can really count on on your hands of Italian that went back then. Now it became a little more, you know, popular, but it's, you know, in Italy, uh, college are free. So, you know, <laughs> dealing with the expenses of a college of the United States is not, not everybody can, can uh, you know, have that uh, privilege, you know. 
I was lucky. I understand. All right. So tell me about some of these artists that you've worked with. I mean, the names just jump out of the page. What'd you do with Aretha? I was playing at Washington, D.C. for the Monk Institute, and uh, they were doing a, a, a concert. And uh, it was kind of interesting. It was a weekend, I think. So it was the year that they were doing a drums uh, competition. And, you know, the day before, they asked me, it's like, Aretha is going to be one of the guests. Uh, are you willing to play in a horn section? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can do that. Yes. And I have to say that. My first gig in Italy, you know, as a teenager, I play in a band that they did. One of a singer tried to do a Aretha. I say try because not so many people can pull it, you know, a Aretha There's Franklin only one tune, Aretha. you know. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I remember that when I was on stage with her at the Kennedy Center, there was a moment that I thought about myself as a teenager playing in a small little uh, town in northern Italy and I thought it was like you know what Ada you messed up a lot of things but I think you did it something good also I was uh, the, only one of the few moments that I pat myself and I was like uh, you did it Ada <laughs> must have been like an out-of-body experience it was it was all of a sudden you're on the stage and you're backing up Aretha Franklin how about that yeah, and, and I remember that when she opened her mouth, the first note came out from her mouth. I had the goosebump. I mean, I was just like, a, as you say, like it was uh, kind of a, uh, I felt like it was a, an alien, you know, throwing on a stage, you know. Did you get nervous? I always get nervous. Always? Oh, tell me about that. I always. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought that aging would have made it better. Instead, I think he makes it <laughs> but you know um i remember mr tony bennett told me once uh, i had the privilege to know him and actually even play with him and i'm friend with the uh, uh, tony's daughter and tony was a wonderful singer i remember we were talking about it and he mentioned to me that if you get nervous means you care so it's good to get nervous because it means you still care about the music and it's true so I'm trying to turn around the fact of being nervous about means that I do care and I wanted to play good and uh, I put some emotion into it, you know? Yes, I totally agree with you. You know, when you are nervous, it's because you want to get it right. Yeah. And you care. Yes. You know, and I do get nervous for not only, you know, my for everybody's music, because I have a highly respect for everyone's music i know the amount of work and commitment you need to have to do what we're doing so i want to be sure i get it right for everyone and i have i feel like a higher responsibility when i play other people's music even more about mine you know you know not too long ago i interviewed ron carter mm -hmm. the maestro who's one of the greatest bass players ever and he was telling me the story about how he got called to back up the substitute and back up Polonius Monk in Greenwich Village. This is early on in his career. And I said to him, were you, were you nervous? And he said to me, nope, I wasn't nervous. I said, why not? He said, because whoever recommended me must have felt that I could do the job. And if they felt I could do the job, I felt I could do the job. So that's another way of looking at things, huh? Well, I think, yes, it's, it's true. But, you know, there, I don't know, maybe the uh, cultural things, so the way I, you know, grew up and, you know, culturally as a woman really kind of uh, gave, I mean, when I talk with uh, 
men or also female, they were born here and raised here. They have a, a slightly different, <laughs> slightly, you know, in a kind of like a comedic way, uh, but uh, approach to the, the subject. You know, I mean, I, I do feel like a, um, definitely culturally, it just is a different baggage when dealing with, you know, confidence and stuff like that. Oh, listen, I can understand. You You come from another country, another culture. You come over here. You're playing with great stars. I mean, I can totally understand how that would make you nervous, okay? But you've <laughs> succeeded. That's what counts. Yes, yes. I try my best. All right. I want to ask about one more guy, and that's Herbie Hancock, who's one of my favorite musicians of all time. What did you do with Herbie? Was the same uh, um, the same weekend. I was, uh, you know, one after the other. <laughs> it was George Duke, uh, uh, Herbie Hancock, and uh, we just played a couple of tunes, uh, and uh, it, it was great. You know, it was just like you know, was, uh, that's a guy that definitely would have made me nervous. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, you know, it was a very you know very pleasant with everybody. I think it was a very nice environment. Everybody was. Uh, there to have fun to play to support the music education and uh, and that was was made a special well he he is special for sure okay tell me about this guy randy brecker when did you meet him oh i met him a long time ago i was a kiddo kind of but um wait a minute you're saying he robbed the cradle is that it <laughs> ouch <laughs> almost <laughs> uh but i just uh you know i Finish my last semester. I mean, it was not my last semester at Berkeley. I would have. I wish I could have stayed a little longer, but you know, unfortunately, financially and uh, work started came in, so I couldn't finish uh, uh, Berkeley. But I was back in Italy, and he came as a guest in a big band I was working with, and uh, and that's how I met him. That was uh, almost thirty years ago. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's something else. Yes. And you played with the Brecker Brothers, or at least the reunion band. Tell yes, me about that. The reunion band. Well, um, few years after Michael passed away, uh, Randy was approached by Blue Note to do a week at the Blue Note in New York. And uh, when he submitted the name of the musician, the you know, the management says like, well, it was like all the guys from the Brecker Brothers. So why we don't do a kind of a Brecker Brother band reunion? And I remember I was booked to do the gig, and I when you know Randy mentioned that I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to do that. It's just so much pressure on me. I don't, I can, I cannot do it. And it took a long time to convince me to just like do your things. I, I wouldn't do that repertoire with anyone else, but you because we have the same kind of affinity of playing so long together. We know how to phrase stuff. Uh, uh, we have the kind of in tune intonation and. Uh, and the connection that I had with my brother. So, you know, and the fact that, uh, you know, is a compliment when he told me, it's like, you have your own voice. You don't try to sound like him. And I don't want somebody who's trying to sound like Mike or it just like is a carbon copy of Mike. I don't need that. I want somebody who has their own identity and they do their own things. And they can deal with that music doing their own things. And I really appreciate that because, you know, it kind of put me on a different kind of spot. I say, okay. But, uh, you know, it, it was not easy. I have to say that uh, it was an amazing, has been an amazing experience. So we just uh, came back three weeks ago from Japan. We did the, the Brecker Butter Band Reunion the gigs uh, there at the Blue Note Tokyo. I love the music. I love the musician and the repertoire is great, but it's still, you know, not 
you know, especially for the uh, aficionado of the band and the hardcore Record Brothers groupie, you know, I'm still kind of pointed like she's not like Mike. It's like, well, nobody's it. Yeah, you're you're the new kid on the block, but yeah, I'm sure that you carried it off perfectly. You know, so I'm just, you know, so it's not easy. You know, the critics has been a little brutal with me, but you know, tough. Well, look, the the pressure in a sense is on you because you're there in lieu of Michael, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that it came out good. Yeah, well, we had fun for sure. The heck with those critics. We don't need critics. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. In 1994, I recorded my first album called Miles Behind. It features world-class guest musicians like Randy Brecker of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Anton Figg of The David Letterman Show, Al Foster from Miles Davis's band, and Tim Reese from The Rolling Stones. I'm excited to say that this album has just been released on the internet for the first time. The 10 tracks include originals like Child's Play, plus reimagined covers of Jimi Hendrix's Fire. You don't care for me. I don't care about that. You got a new fool. I like it like that. I have only one burning desire. Let me stand next to your fire. Let me stand. And Chick Corea's Sea Journey. I'm very proud of this album. It's crossover jazz that's been called hip, tight, and edgy. I think that captures it. Miles Behind can be streamed on Spotify, Apple, and all the other streaming platforms. As always, I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast and to my music, and keep on rocking. All right. I want to go into the Songfest portion of this interview. And we've got a handful of your tunes from the new album. This is called The Hidden World of Pilou. Am I correct? Yes, indeed.
Tell me about this. What's a Pilu? Pilu is my nickname. My dad gave it to me when I was a kiddo. And it was a story of this cat was, a, you know, a little monster. <laughs> Would do like damage everywhere and just like a little crazy little cat. So I guess I was a little crazy little kiddo. Uh, so, and I kept that uh, nickname, my dad, uh, you know, called me until the day he passed away. Uh, I was Pilou for him. So it also is the name of my record label. I, I create a label named Pilou. And um, this project that is coming out now was written during COVID. And I tried to show a different side of me. It's a little more commercial, but not really. Like, I, And I decide also to take uh, the lyrics. Uh, I'm, I became a, a singer-songwriter, I guess. Uh, and I uh, wrote lyrics in English. That is a kind of unusual. I mean, not an easy task, but I think I did. I guess I did okay. And I wrote for strings. Uh, I did a bunch of array. I play alto, tenor, baritone, did all the arrangement, did all the cover. Even the suit on the cover is made by me. Really? I also pick up sewing during COVID. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. All right, we're playing now the first of the songs that we're featuring called Ghost Stories. And you're right, there's a funkiness to the songs that you've given me from the album. Tell me a little bit about ghost stories. Ghost stories from uh, the uh, city, these guys that came out a few years ago. And I love ghost show. And uh, I thought I'd write a tune about uh, the kind of like uh, um, quiet and just commit with a melody like subtle. Very like a, a ghost will come into a room, you know. I see. Well, it does have that kind of feel. Exactly. Just kind of grows on you there. All right, tell me about the next one, Sacred Bond. Sacred Bond is from my last city, came out in, I think, 2020, and uh, is, uh, as they say, is a, a special bond that uh, I have with my daughter and my husband. And uh, in the main track that is called Sacred Bond, there is uh, Stella, my daughter, who sing along uh, with my melody on saxophone, and both me and Randy are playing. So I thought it was uh, a snapshot of that moment in my life with Stella at the time she was like nine or ten. And uh, and Randy, and I thought it was just a good memory for the future, you know? Yes, I totally understand. Okay, the next one, I guess, is, is this your single from the new album, Hey You? Yes. Featuring Faye Claussen. She sings on this one. Yes. Is that the right way to pronounce it? I think so. <laughs> In a stranger's mind, your voice is so full of 
Tell us about this one. You know, the the full title is AU and parenthesis, the scintilla of Sonder. I have a program that every morning feeds me uh, unusual uh, lost words in English. And uh, one day came out Sonder. And Sonder is just the feeling, the sudden realization that everybody passing by as their own trouble, as their own life, their own struggle. And we are their background as they are our own background of our life. And scintilla means the sparkles, the moment that you realize that, you know, we are all amazing identity. I thought it was just uh, so deep that one word just had this amazing meaning. Uh, so that's that's how it is. <laughs> you use two excellent words in that one, scintilla and sonder, okay? Most people are not going to know the words, but you've just explained them. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And tell us about Faye, who does the singing on this one. Well, I, I met her online because she was a guest at the, with the WDR Big Band, and she's married with the Paul Heller, who's a, a fantastic tenor player, also played with the WDR. And when we approached uh, the project, I was looking for a specific voice, and uh, that's how you know we got in touch, uh, and she was willing to do it. And uh, uh, she, I love her. Her sounds, her texture uh, is uh, insane, and uh, range, because I have to say, I write not easily, not so many singer can sing my tunes because I, you know, I'm a saxophone player and I was thinking about huge range and, um, you know, shift of time and uh, key signature. So it can be kind of tricky for a singer, <laughs> but she did amazing. You did a great job for sure. Okay. Last one is reverence. Tell us about that one. Reverence is dedicated to Aretha. And uh, is uh, was when she passed away, I had this kind of wanted to write some kind of a tribute to her. And uh, it's called Reverence uh, and is dedicated to her as the kind of gospelish uh, feel to it. It does have a gospel feel to it, for sure. Okay, you've done such great work. Tell us what's next for Ada Rovati. Well, uh Soon we're gonna go on a jazz cruise. We're gonna do two different jazz cruises in January and February. So at the end of January and February. So uh, I'm excited about doing that. And you know the city is coming out, so hopefully it's gonna bring some work, and I'll be able to just uh, showcase live uh, my work. So that's that's all about. And just keep going, get more feedback and inspiration, and just keep writing and doing. There you go. And spreading some love that we need for sure. I agree with that. And the heck with those critics. I don't like that part of it. Yeah, okay. just the name critics already make me cringe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have been speaking here with Ada Rovati, a wonderful saxophone player. Ada, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you for you know doing such an amazing job. And it's a, really an honor. Thank you. You bet. And now we're going to listen to that song that started off the episode. It's my song featuring Randy Brecker. It's called Miles Behind. I want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. 
Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com. 